0: If your gift is not enveloped in the love of Christ, it ultimately will not develop to will not become anything. For it to be fruitful, it needs to be in Christ. You can be a good teacher and not be a believer, but you won't be a fruitful teacher unless you are a believer. Come. Are coming for what well, well how was worship this week? Oh, it wasn't as good as it was last week, or how was the message this week? Oh, it was kind of flat this week. It's all about what I'm taking. It's almost like a pleasure cruise. I got the cruise mentality. Did they have good coffee this week? Or oh, was that meal good? Or it's all looked at from a, a pleasure cruise vantage point. That's not the design of the church. The design of the church is a rescue vessel because of the love and what Christ has done on the cross. And the reason that we get fired up about it is because we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, want to see you guys get fired up about Jesus. Well, let's get into this message. Let's wrap up our outreach series. And I have a, I have a story for you guys before we go into the scriptures. Uh, and the story is called Fleeting Wealth. Fleeting Wealth. And the story goes like this. There's a guy named James Marshall who left his family home in New Jersey as a young man and, like so many others, began a migration west. After contracting malaria while living in Missouri, he was advised to go further west, and in 1845 he arrived in California. So imagine, he he started in New Jersey in the 1800s, he walked from New Jersey all the way to California. He migrated from New Jersey to California, like, can you imagine? They didn't have cars back then. They didn't have, right? So, anyways. He worked a number of different jobs and served in the army during the Mexican-American War in 1846. When he got out, a man he had earlier befriended, John Sutter, entered a partnership agreement with Marshall to build a sawmill. When they discovered that the spillway they had constructed was too narrow to handle the amount of water needed to operate the mill, they began the process of enlarging it. On the morning of January 24, 1848, as Marshall examined the channel, he found large flakes of pure gold sparkling one of the, sparking one of the greatest gold rushes in history. But, here's the thing with Marshall's story, he did not profit from finding gold. His mill project failed, Uh, his mines did not produce anything, and he had a vineyard that he bought that went completely bankrupt. So Marshall was trying to make money because he he found money as his only way um, that made him feel great. It was kind of his God. It actually was his God. In his old age, reduced to poverty at this point, Marshall died alone in a very small shack. Now the story ends like this. Wealth is easy for us to trust. If God blesses us and we begin to accumulate financial resources, we must be on guard against them because... I'm sorry, we must be on guard because it can become an idol in our hearts. In 1 Timothy 6.17, Paul instructed Timothy these things when it comes to riches and wealth. Charge them that that are rich in this world that they are not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Now, some of you guys in here today may be like, oh, I can sit back and relax on this message because I ain't rich. Here's the thing. How many of you live in a home Raise your hand if you live in a home. Okay. How many of you or your parents have a car? Okay. What's that? A car. A car. You know. Alright. How many of you have a cell phone? Or your parents have a cell phone? How many of you have clothes? Well, you're all wearing clothes, so... Yes. Water, how about drinking water? How many of you all have water? All right. How many of you have an abundant assortment of snacks at home that you can just freely go to? Right? All right, how many of you have some type of video game console, an Xbox, PlayStation, Switch? Uh, Okay. All right, here's my point. Here's my point. If you have any of that stuff, you are considered rich. Because only about 1 to 3% of the world population have that kind of stuff. So congratulations, you guys are rich. So this message applies to all of us in here today. And here's the main idea, here's the main purpose I want us to recognize from this message and from the scriptures that we're going to read today in Mark chapter 10. And the main idea is that our possessions can distract us from the mission Christ has for us. Our possessions can distract us from the mission Christ has called us. 2-4 And so we're going to go into Mark chapter 10, we're going to look at the first, I'm sorry, we're going to look at verses 17 to 31, and we're going to see about a conversation Jesus has with a young guy who was rich, he was also considered the rich young ruler, we're going to take a look at this conversation and dive a little more deeper into what Jesus wants us to ultimately see. And maybe challenge us to figure out what possessions or riches that we have that may be unfortunately turning into an idol. So if you guys return with me to your Bibles in Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 17. And if you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to partner up with a friend or we also will have it on the screen tonight. <clears throat> so Mark chapter 10 starting at verse 17. A reading from from the Word. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up, knelt down before him, and asked him, "'Good teacher!' What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witnesses, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. He, the rich young ruler, said to him, Jesus, Teacher, I have kept all these from my youth. Looking at him, Jesus loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But he, the, young, the rich young ruler, was dismayed by this demand, and he went away grieving because he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were astonished at his words. And again, Jesus said to them, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easy for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. They were even more astonished, saying to one another, Then who can be saved? Looking at them, Jesus said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, because all things are possible with God. Peter began to tell him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said, There is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundred times more, now at this time, houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecutions and eternal life in the age to come. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight, Lord. Uh, Thank you for everyone uh, that is here this evening, Lord. Father, thank you that we have the freedom by your grace to uh, come together with humility to your word and learning the truth of what you call us to do, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you open our hearts and our minds and our ears to, to the truth of what you are teaching us here today, Lord God? And I pray that if any of us in here, if we struggle with some of the possessions that we have or, or the demands that even maybe you would say to let them go, Father, I pray that uh, we can come to you with humility, asking for your forgiveness if we made anything of our possessions out of idols, and asking us to, to strengthen us to, to keep you first in all things, Jesus. Christ, we thank you praise you, and we give you the glory and thanks in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Alright. So, and if you're following along on notes, which I encourage you to do because you're going to need them for your small groups, in the first section, in the first section, that's called, What is the question, uh, th- what this question tells us about mankind, or what, the question we all ask, I apologize. apologize. We see in verse 17 that this rich young ruler sees Jesus coming. And he must have heard about Jesus. Uh, He probably saw things of Jesus that he desired and what he was doing. And he says to him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In this question, there are two things that we, we can take away from it. Number one, that there is eternal life. Okay? That there is eternal life. And this is a question every single one of us asks. Whether you want to deny it or not. This is a question where people ask about eternal life. Is there eternal life? And, and how do I get there? Which we'll talk about here a little bit. Because in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11, Solomon wrote this. He has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also put eternity in their hearts, but no one can dis- discover the work of God, the work God has done from beginning to end. So God when he created us in his own image, he put eternity in our hearts. That's why you know Solomon also wrote and this one, this one gets controversial sometimes, but in Ecclesiastes as well, Solomon also wrote, it is better to go to the house of mourning than it is to, the, to a feast of a table. And, and the reason for that is because in any time there's a tragic event that, that leads to someone dying or something like that, it always brings the question up again, where did that individual go? Or better yet, it brings up a question to you or other people who are in that, that room at the funeral or the memorial service. Well, what's going to happen to me after this time on earth? Because I don't know if you know this or not, we don't get out of here safely. Uh, death has had a 100% winning rate and it's going to. And so the question is, well, what happens after I die? Where where do I go? How How do I get this eternal life? And a couple of weeks ago, Craig Bach did an amazing job talking about that and the importance of knowing who Jesus is. And so the question that the rich young ruler, maybe you're asking here today, well, how do I get it? And maybe you've heard some things that, well, if you just do enough good works to balance out your bad works, you'll get to heaven. We're going to talk about that here shortly, why that doesn't happen. You've heard, well, as long as I, I feel like I'm jumping ahead, but as long as we don't do what these Ten Commandments say, if I don't murder anyone, if I don't do all these things, I'm, I'm good. Well, we're going to dive in a little bit deeper there too. Oh, well, as long as I have all these possessions, or, or, or actually, since I live in America, and America tends to, most people tend to say I'm a, say they're Christians. As long as I say I'm a Christian, I'm good. That doesn't work either. See, there's only one way to get to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ is the only Savior. He's the Savior. The only one who willingly gave his life for our sinful nature, for our sins. He's the only one. And you could hear about other gods and goddesses or whatever, but Jesus is the only one. And so we see here in the second point of self-deception in this conversation with the rich young ruler and, and Jesus. So he's like, all right, Jesus, how do I get to eternal life? How do I inherit it? But Jesus starts off by saying, well, why do you call me good? Why, why do you call me good? The only person that's good, the only being that's good is God. And what he's saying here is like, what, what, why do you think I'm morally good? The only one that's good, who's perfectly moral, is God. And there's been this bad habit that flows through from time to time, even in Christian circles, like, well, that person's a good person. Yeehaw. Not sure why I'm talking like that. That guy, that gal over there, they're they're a good person, y'all. That little funny boy? I don't know why I'm using that today, but anyways. No. But, but there's this idea that we're all good, like everyone's good, even though maybe that person did murder someone or steal from someone, all these, all these different things. But we still have this idea that we're somehow good, but, but we need to recognize that we aren't, that we aren't perfect. And that sometimes we can self-deceive ourselves in thinking like, yeah, I, I was pretty good today. Eh. First John tells us that if, if we say we don't sin, we call ourselves liars, and, and we're actually hindering our Christian walk and making Christ look like a liar. But anyways, Jesus goes on and asks him, "'No one is good except God alone, and you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother.'" the rich young ruler said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these from my youth. I'm smiling at that, because that was me. I I remember growing up in the church that I grew up in, If I kept my P's and Q's and and said a couple prayers, and that meant I was good. I'm a good person. I didn't murder anyone. I didn't commit adultery with anyone. I didn't. I certainly, as a teenager, honored my mother and father. I was a joke. <laughs> but let's dive deeper here. Let's th- like because maybe you're going through this you're like, yeah, I've never murdered anyone. I've never, you know, committed adultery. I don't even know what that is. I never stole anything like P. Mike did with the Furby keychain. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go listen to an older sermon about that. But let's dive in on this one, the first one. I've never murdered anyone. I, I've never personally taken a knife or a gun and murdered someone. I've never done those things. I must not be a murderer. But Jesus said in His Sermon of Mount, says, "If you cried out saying that you hated someone, you've already committed in your heart." How many in here ever before said, in their heart of hearts at times, you were so angry, you were thinking, I really hate that individual right now. Every hand should be up. I mean, we've all have thought of it at some point. So, according to Jesus' standards, you would be considered a murderer. Well, I never committed adultery. I've, I've never, you know, I don't know what that means, but, but Jesus said, if you looked at someone with lustful eyes... You've committed adultery or you've committed sexual sin. Well, I I never stole anything from a store or or I never stole money from anyone. But Jesus kind of raised the bar there too. How many of you have ever been on a job before and you know you're supposed to be working but you've actually been playing a game on your cell phone? Or been, you know, searching the web trying to buy something when you're supposed to be working, right? Sleeping, yeah. If anyone ever slept on the. How are you not fired? Anyways. uh, Like doing something else while you're sleeping. Like not
1: sleeping. No, like. If you're on your bed and you're supposed to sleep. No, that's
0: not what I mean. Anyways. You are considered stealing someone's time because they're paying you to work during that time. And if you're not working, you're actually stealing their time. then honoring my father and my mother how many of you, or even an authority figure, how many of you at any point whether it's your mother or your father or your teacher and you thought to yourself I do not want to do what they've told me to do oh mom and dad you're so mean, why can't you get me that new iPhone 17 nah, it's only iPhone 14 I think I think so, yeah. I don't know. Going on 14, right? Anyways. Or an authority figure at school when, when a teacher tells you to, you know, not do whatever part of the class rules and, and you don't listen. Or you rebel against it. You, you are not submitting to, to those people. You're not honoring them. And so, be careful when you read those Ten Commandments. Be careful. Honestly, look up here for a second. Be careful when you read the Word of God and and you you hear what God is saying. Like, hey, be careful about sexual sin. Be careful about honor. If you're not honoring people, be careful about stealing. Be careful about all these things. Be careful to not be deceived and be like, check. I'm good there. I'm good there. I've never done these things because what you're saying is that you are God. None of us in here are God. None of us in here have lived perfect lives. And so what Jesus does after the rich young ruler who is self-deceived here, like many of us have been at one time or or fight through that from time to time, Jesus looks at him with, with love. I love that. In Mark 10, starting at verse 21, Jesus looked at him with love and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. What do you think that one thing the rich young ruler lacked? What do you think? What do you think is that one thing the rich young ruler lacked? Caleb. And they didn't lack money. He had enough money. Aiden, He lacked faith. Right? Faith in who, though? Let's get even more specific. Faith in who? Jesus. Yes, faith in the, in the living Lord. Because what did we read in Exodus in those first few verses? The Lord said... Love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Have no other gods before me. What the rich young ruler lacked there in that moment is that he had an idol. His money, his possessions, his riches were his false god. And he thought those things made him who he was. And when Jesus says to him, Ah, but you lack one thing, give those things up and come follow me. And we see that he's upset, and and he's like, he couldn't do that. He trusted in his money and his possessions so much more than Jesus that he walked away. And there's maybe some of you in here tonight, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but maybe there are things that you trust in more than Jesus And you think right now they're giving you comfort, and maybe they're giving you some temporary comfort. But at the end of the day, they will never, ever, nothing of this world will ever fill your soul, will never quench your thirst, will never satisfy the hunger of your soul. Only Jesus Christ will. Because of the truth that he says, of what he has done, and Jesus goes on to say to his disciples, after the rich young ruler leaves, like, just imagine that for a second. Like, imagine you're part of Jesus' crowd here for a moment, alright? Jesus is here, and Jesus is having this conversation, and I'd like to think, this is conjecture, so take it as it is, we don't know this for a fact, but, but the disciples, the twelve disciples and the apostles, probably see this rich young ruler and be like, yes, he's our guy. Or gal. But this is a young man, so, Our guy. He's got all the money, he's got all the power. Jesus, this kingdom that you want to set up, we're going to do it because he's the guy. And Jesus has his conversation with them, and he starts walking away. And the disciples are like, wait, no, come back! Where are you going? No, There goes our kingdom. <laughs> hey, at least it wakes you up, right, whatever. There goes our kingdom, Jesus. He had the money, he had the power, we, we could have, dog, darn. But then Jesus says this, he looks at his disciples, and he makes it pretty clear. How hard is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? And so the disciples are like, oh, What did you just... Wait, wait. Is it going to be hard for wealthy people like him to to get into the kingdom of God? And they're astonished. And again, Jesus said to them, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the... (laughs) It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Listen, this is if, if there's nothing else why you should read the Bible, because Jesus says some funny things like this. Alright? Like, you miss out on things like this that Jesus say. They're funny, but, but they're also, ooh, that's convicting. Now, you may be asking, like, okay, a needle, eye of a needle. Now, there's two different explanations out there. I think either one can can work. Uh, but there's one explanation that in Jerusalem there's this uh, uh, walkway area that's open and that a camel couldn't fit through there unless it took off its stuff and that's the, that, the, that the eye is considered an opening and so the camel it's easier for the camel to go through, through the eye of a needle. There's also another explanation out there that... I don't know if you can really see, but I've got a sewing needle. I've got a sewing needle. And on that needle is an opening or what is considered the eye of a needle. Now, Rachel's a sewer and a crocheter, so she probably does a really good job of getting this string through the eye. I, on the other hand, would struggle for this for 10-15 minutes and say, I'm done. Now, you guys see how, well you probably can't see, but you see how small that eye of the needle is? Those who are in the front row, you see how small that eye of the needle is? Right Now, Colin, or Lynch, who's ever up there, can you pull up the picture of the camel, please? There it is. There's (coughs) camel. Now, Jesus, in this hyperbole, listen, there's a point to this. Jesus, in this hyperbole, 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 is saying that it is easier for that camel to fit through this eye of the needle than it is for the rich man to get into heaven. <laughs> Do you see that camel? And then you see the eye of this needle. No, you can't because it's so small. It looks like. But here's the point. Here's the point. I, I know we're having a little fun with it, but but here's the point that Jesus. Yes, Travis. But is that he, Shh. Is he talking about just um, the rich young ruler, or is it talking about like every rich man? Every wealthy person, individual. What if they're like Christians. Like what, What's up? What if like they were Christians, like they were? Just like... Yeah, we're gonna get th- we're gonna get there. All right. What Jesus is saying here, and he wants to make a point with this is that those who have possessions, those that have riches, will put so much trust in their stuff that by the time they get to heaven, after they leave this earth and get to heaven, and they're faced on judgment day, God is saying, well, why didn't you believe in me? (laughs) Well, I had all these riches. I thought I'd just buy my way into heaven, and it worked that way. It's not how it works. That's not how it works. And all of these possessions that we have here on this earth, this cell phone that you have, or the car that you have, the house that you have, everything on this earth is going to wither away. We can't take any of this stuff with us to the grave. And there are many people, unfortunately, because they put so much trust in money, in possessions, in the things that they have, like. I'll give you a story, I may have shared this years ago, but there's a story of a guy who was a multi-millionaire, multi-millionaire, and one day he received notice from the bank and some of his business partners that he lost everything. He went from being a millionaire to broke, just like that. And this guy was panicking and he was like trying to figure out what was going on. And, and they're like, We're sorry, like, you're not getting your millions of dollars back. Like, you are broke. There is nothing. And this guy trusted, and it's such a sad story, but this guy trusted in his money so much that the, when he found out that he had no money, he killed himself. He killed himself. He said, well, if I don't have money, if I don't have power and wealth anymore, then my life's ruined. Now here comes the sadder part. Well, I think they're both it's both sad in any cases, but later on, those who were working at the bank and his business partners, they, they found this guy dead in his place wherever he was. And they were coming over, they were you know, they were talking to the police or whatever about what happened and everything. And they're distraught, they're like, We were like I can't believe he did this because we were about to come over and tell him his money's back in the bank. Oh Ladies and gentlemen, please. Do not put your trust in things of this world. Do not put your trust in money or... And I'm not saying any of this is bad. Like, cell phones and that, they have good for them. The, 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 the blessings that we have here, I'm not, I'm not trying to preach like, okay, we all just have to become um, poor or whatever. But what I am saying is that we should have a giving mentality. We, we should never think of the, the riches and the abundance of what we have as like, I'm going to store it and keep it, it's all mine. No, we should be a blessing to, to give. I, I love what uh, Matt Brown, our, one of our small group leaders, says. He, he always talks about it, about, hey, we're at Acts 2 church. We have to be giving. We have to be serving. We have to be generous. When, you, when we are blessed like we are living here in America, we should be giving and honoring of our possessions, number one, to, to the Lord Jesus, but to those around us who are in help and in need. And so, I put this list together, and I'm going to close it out here. Just like Jesus asked the rich young ruler to give up his possessions and, and things, there may be things Jesus is asking you to give up. Now, this is just a list of things that I've had to learn to make sure they don't become my idols. Or so I'm going to list off just ten things that I felt like in my life before I was a Christian, even as I gave my life to the Lord. That you know these things I've made idols before, and as I'm putting this listing this list off, and you know you may have your own list, and maybe you would you can recognize some of this with your list as like like oh yeah I agree with that. Here's the thing, me sharing this list is not me trying to put someone down, it's not me trying to shame anyone, it is me just saying that there are things in this world that we can rely on so much more that we think they're a greater power than Jesus. And so, this isn't to shame you, this isn't to be like, oh man, I'm a bad, like, just listen to what I'm trying to say here. Listen to what maybe the Holy Spirit's trying to to speak to you about. And maybe these are things that you just need to let go of. Or really set boundaries on using these stuff. So number 10, things that Mike Kubis made idols into. Number 10 was emails and texts. Emails and text messages. I remember when I first got my first cell phone, which was a track phone. Does anyone even know what a track phone is? It was a track phone, it was blue. And the favorite game was Snake. Yeah! And when I got that cell phone, I would text people left and right, and I would wait for text messages to come back, and then I would text them, and then my parents would be upset because I already used my track phone card, and they said, why are you spending so much on this? And so I would text, and then when I upgraded to a smarter cell phone, like a sidekick, Anyone know what a sidekick is? Yeah, all right, two people. Um, a sidekick, and I'd get all these texts and, and get all these emails coming in. I'm thinking, yes, I'm popular guy. I'm getting all these texts, and it would just like make me feel pretty good for a little while. But then, this is where I really struggled, is when I wouldn't get texts or emails. And let's hypothetically say, and Quincy and I didn't know each other this long ago in high school. But let's say in high school, I text Quincy. Quincy texts me back. I text Quincy. Quincy texts me back. I text Quincy. He He doesn't text me back. I hate when that happens. (laughs) (laughs) Not till later, anyways. But here's the thing. Not till later, yeah. But but here's the thing. I would be the guy who would look at my phone constantly. Oh, did that vibrate? Oh, is that Quincy? No, it's not Quincy. Okay. Five seconds later. Is that Quincy? Is it Quincy? No. Is it Quincy? I was so, like, wanting that text back because it just made me somehow happy. Oh, someone likes me. They responded to my text. It makes me happy. But then I, I would notice that I would get into, like, these really... Low moments and think, wow, no one likes me. No one texts me all day. Are you making emails and text messages an idol to fill a love tank within your soul? Number nine thing that Mike Kubis made into an idol, buying... Wow. Wow. All right. Number nine thing that Mike Kubis made into an idol. Buying new stuff. Yeah! Yes, like watches. Shoes? Shoes. I the latest technology. I would, I would just want all the new stuff. And because the, the reason was I thought those would make me cool. I don't know what being cool means, but I thought it would make me cool and popular and, and liked because I had all the latest and greatest things. But it actually got me into debt. And I know some of you, you're not there yet, some of you are seniors, and I don't know, does anyone in here, I hate to ask this, but does any of you students have a credit card? Wow. Okay. Do you know how to use the credit card wisely? Let's go that second. Credit, credit card. Does anyone have a credit card? Okay. Well, here's the thing, I got my first credit card when I was 21. $5,000. $5000. What's the limit? What's the limit? I thought I was rich. $5000 credit card. I bought a bunch of new stuff, maxed it out, and I couldn't even pay the bills. You not realize you to pay it back? No, I didn't realize I had to pay it back at the end. That's that's just the lack of financial education I had. But the reason I bought the stuff is because I thought it would make me feel good, it would make me happy, but in the end it made me miserable and tired and frustrated that I had to pay a $5,000 bill. So it was buying new stuff, something that you make in an idol. Number eight thing that Mike Kubis made into an idol, television. Watching too much television. Number seven thing Mike Kubis has made into an idol before, food, especially sweets. (laughs) Number six, thing I've made into an idol, video games. (sighs) Number five, watching sports, especially during playoff time. I wasn't talking about football, okay? Number four... Money, it kind of goes along with buying new stuff. Money. Uh, number three thing I made in idle, m- being busy. Just running around, being busy, doing all these things. Oh, I'm busy. I'm over here. I'm over here. I'm over there. But but it made me tired. And I thought being busy meant that I wasn't missing out on certain things. But in reality, it just wasn't helping. Number two thing I made in idle was the news I thought everything on the news was truth and honest and that the news would somehow get me through whatever situation I'm going through. And the number one thing that Mike Kubis has made an idol into before is Instagram and Facebook. I do have Facebook, yes, I am, I'm, thank you, I appreciate that. Listen, <clears throat> I, I want to talk about this one briefly, this, this number one thing, Instagram and Facebook, because I remember when Facebook first was really becoming popular, and I was about to graduate high school and going to college, and a lot of my time was playing Farmville. <laughs> Okay, okay, it wasn't... <laughs> okay. I would play Farmville a lot. I would, you know, post a status every five seconds. I would, I would talk about what I would eat or what I was watching. All these different things on Facebook. Be scrolling through. What? If I look back your Facebook account, are those posts still on there? No, they're not. Dang it no they're not I don't think they are anyways. anyways but I would be consumed so much by Facebook and, and the likes that I would get and same thing on Instagram when Instagram first came around like oh it's just another social media platform let's say, see how many likes and followers that I get and listen if you get people who like your stuff and follow you that's, that's great but what are you chasing no guys focus here for a second Because some of you guys really struggle with this, whether you want to admit it or not. You're so focused on how many followers that you have, so many likes that you have, that if you don't have a certain amount of likes, or if you don't get 10 likes within one second, you're freaking out. Like, oh my goodness, I don't have the right picture, or I didn't pose the right way, or whatever it is. Listen, all those people on Instagram and Facebook who, I would like to call it fake book from a lot of it, who are liking your stuff and, and, and commenting or whatever, if you were to call them in the middle of the night saying, hey, my car broke down, I need your help, most if not all of them would not show up. But here's the thing. You got real friends in here, You got real friends in here, you got real leaders in here who I think if you were to call any of us in the middle of the night saying, hey this is going on in our home or this situation that's going on, we would make it a priority to be there. We make it a priority to help you. And on a spiritual sense, you know, sure yes, you 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 get that adrenaline rush of all the the likes and the views and, and all this stuff. then you have to put the work and the effort again to, to do it again and again and again. And the high and the adrenaline rush doesn't seem to be what it was the first time around. And, and the, the point I'm trying to make is that some of you are addicted to Instagram and Facebook like people are addicted to alcohol and drugs. And the only way that you break that addiction, the only way that you break that cycle is by no longer making it an idol in your life, but knowing that you can trust Jesus Christ in all things. Because Instagram and Facebook aren't going to help you with your anxiety in school. Instagram and Facebook aren't going to help you with your depression in school. Facebook and Instagram aren't going to help you with the bullying that's going on in your school. The only one that's going to help you get through all those different things is Jesus Christ. And if you learn to trust in him, to walk in his ways, rely on him in all different ways, and knowing that he is your heavenly father, that he is your friend, that he is the one that came to die for your sins, man, your life's going to change. And I know I may be talking to the, to the crowd here, but I think sometimes we, we need reminders of this. I need reminders of this. Like There are going be times, like I said, I'm a big sports guy, especially come basketball time when the playoffs are happening and rooting on Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. I'd love to stay up every night and watch a game or highlights and, and really get into it, but if, I, if I'm not careful, that can be a real idol. And distract me from what Jesus has called me to do. What's, what's your list? And you're going to be challenged about this in your small groups, which we're going to go to shortly, but, but what's your list? And you may be thinking, and we'll close out with this, you may be thinking, ah, oh, Mike, it's, it's not that big of a deal. You know, I, I put all my trust in this cell phone or... Money that I have or the money my parents had Mike, it's it's really not that big of a deal. You can think that. But Jesus made it a big deal. Jesus made it a big deal. Jesus made it a big deal that he makes it clear twice that and using an exaggeration of a camel going through an eye of a needle is more possible than those who trust in their riches to get into heaven. On the day of judgment that we're all going to face someday, hopefully not anytime soon. But on that day, when you when you stand before God Almighty in His presence, where the two cherubim are at, and He is where He is at, and you are in heaven, and that judgment is happening, and He says, and He says, and asks you questions, and you're thinking, "Well, I put my trust in Instagram and Facebook. I put my trust in the news." hey, that money you gave me, I have really trusted in that so much so, I didn't do anything for the kingdom of God. I thought I'd actually give you the money to get me in. None of that's going to work. None of that's going to work. What's going to work is when when you humbly say to the Lord God, God, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Yeah, I know the, the sins that I committed. I know, I know the, the failures. I know the, the times that I didn't live as a godly man or, or a godly woman for you, but I'm only saved by the grace and the mercy of who Jesus Christ is. So who is your God? That's a question I really want you to Ask yourself during small group and even home the rest of this week, who's your God? And whatever you made your God, is that really worth following? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight, Lord. I thank you for everyone that is here, Lord. I thank you for the convicting truth of this message, Lord. That while we are blessed with all the things that we have in this country, and God, we thank you for them, you warn us to not let those things become our idols, not let those things become our God. Because Jesus, you are our God. You are our Lord. You are our Savior. And Father, I pray right now for, for all of us in here. If there are things that we've made into idols, if there are things that we've made into to false gods, Lord, I, I pray that we have the courage to, to repent of those things and turn away. And set up boundaries that may need to happen or even maybe, as, as you say, just cut it off and, and not have anything to do with them. Father, as we go into a time of small group, Lord, I pray that it's convicting and it's challenging and encouraging for us to continue to live a life that glorifies you. God, we give you thanks and praise and glory in all things that you're doing. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.